That's a growler. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one bad gift suggestion at a time. I'm Bobby from Growler Media. And I'm Janae from JanaeHyatt.com. And today we are excited because we have Tierney from the Never Ending Minute here with us. Hello! Yay! <laughs> hi! Hey. Oh, it's so nice to see you guys! And I'm so excited because I have the best minutes! <laughs> <laughs> you do! <laughs> <sighs> yeah, yeah, it took a long time for them to come, and you specifically requested these minutes for a very important reason, because you love books and happen to be a librarian, and yeah. these minutes happen to deal with some of that, <laughs> but I feel like it's taken forever for you to actually come be a guest. Well, and it's funny because I was watching and I had totally forgotten how far, I mean, I guess I kind of knew how far into the movie it came. That makes sense with the progression. I didn't realize mm -hmm. it came after such a dramatic, like <laughs> really scary, oh my goodness, scene. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, on to the happy library stuff. <laughs> but yeah, when, when you go to library school, I mean, Belle is like the patron saint of library students, <laughs> I feel like. You feel bad anytime someone asks what your favorite Disney movie is. If it isn't Beauty and the Beast, they're just like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> How can you even be a librarian? <laughs> is there actually a library school or is that just like a degree program you go through? It's a two-year master's degree. Wow. It's usually a master's of library science. Over the years, it adapted a little bit to changing technology. So some places, like I personally got a master's of science and library and in information science. Um, and I know my sister actually just got a master's of information science. They had dropped the library from it. But it's the same program like it's the same idea yeah <laughs> and you can get a doctorate in it but i have absolutely zero interest in doing that what is the benefit of getting a doctorate in library science it, it opens up more teaching opportunities definitely if oh. you want to be a director at an academic library like if you want to run a college university library you're gonna you gotta want have it, it. You're going to want it, I think. I, I haven't well, looked at those yeah. jobs, but I would assume. I guess now that I think about it, that makes total sense. Yeah. And and then uh, if someday you're a librarian of Congress and then you can be doctor, whatever, you know, it's also to get the doctor in your name. I'm sure that is a <laughs> huge that part of it for people. But yeah, I, I did the two years. I enjoyed the two years. I did a lot of crossover between libraries and archives. The college I went to, Simmons College in Boston, had a, well, they actually had an archives and history dual masters, which I was not insane enough to do, although many of my friends were. But because it had that program, there was a lot of crossover between just the regular library classes. And then like, I was interested in preservation. So I took a lot of archives hmm. and preservation classes. That's so it was really cool. fun. But yeah, the idea of doing it for another like three years and writing a thesis about it was horrifying to me. So <laughs> I, I took the two years, got a lovely little diploma, and then was done with that. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't call a master's degree a lovely little diploma. Well. That's a huge, <laughs> way bigger deal than a like high school diploma. Oh my God. <laughs> I was recently looking at going back to school and like, okay, what would I get my degree in? Should I get a master? Should I get a 
Dr. Shrey. And I was like, oh my gosh, those look so intimidating. <laughs> I've just always enjoyed, and this is slightly a tangent, but it's libraries and it's really quick. My bachelorette party, we actually went to Mohican Sun, the casino, for a weekend. And there were five of us. And we figured out that between the five of us, we had six bachelors and four master's degrees. And yet we couldn't figure out how to work one of the slot machines. <laughs> we were just staring at it like, we're really smart people. And yet this is complete, like we were just completely baffled. And it's like, oh we're, it's not taking dimes. What do we do? We need a card? Oh my gosh, why is this so complicated? Just, <laughs> just let us lose our money and move on with our day. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah, that was that was a very humbling moment when we realized that uh, library school had not prepared us for every contingency out in the real world, like bachelorette parties and casinos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. And, and I can tie it back. Belle would not have fit in there either. <laughs> no. <laughs> so here's a question from my ignorance. What do you learn in library school? Like, is it like how to take care of books or like the Dewey Decimal System on steroids? Or wh what do you do? <laughs> you definitely learn the Dewey Decimal System. You also learn how to assign Library of Congress numbers, which are the call numbers that start with letters. Mm -hmm. um, and the classification system that that uses. That is one aspect of it. You have to take at least one management course. I'm sure there are others. I had no interest, so I only took the one. <laughs> <laughs> There's also an evaluation component, and then you learn how to do reference, which is its own little science that, again, I took the one course. It was like, I got the gist. I was very much on the taking care of books end of thing. I actually took a class in collection maintenance that we joked was basically summer camp for librarians because we had our little like toolkits with our little scalpels <laughs> and binder glue and bone folders. And we literally, we went to a bookstore like the bargain bins, found a book that had an actual like stitched binding. Like it couldn't be a paperback. Mm. And right. we just ripped them apart and then reassembled them basically. Oh, wow. That's awesome. It was really fun. <laughs> I have a couple of interesting book... Uh, what's, what did you call it? Book fixing, repairing... Yeah, stories, repair. Well, like, when I was a teenager, I did this service project where I took like all the hymnals at my church and glued back together all the bindings of the ones that like were falling out because I don't know why people just don't take good care of them. I was like, seriously, people, <laughs> binding down, binding down. <laughs> then the weight just goes on the binding and they don't fall out. And anyway, nobody understands. But after doing that 10-hour service project, I was like, oh, these people don't understand. Um, but the other thing I did was when I was doing theater... In St. George, I was the set dressing for a show that we did, and I had to go and buy all of these books at, like, thrift stores and stuff that looked, like, really nice on the outside for, like, mm -hmm. the, what was it, 1700s, and rip out all the bindings, <gasps> like, all the inside of the books oh, so that we could so use just the, cover. just the cover so that when we had to move the sets, we weren't mm -hmm. actually moving full bookcases of books we were moving empty bookcases that just had like the casings like the bindings sitting that's on the so shelf sad. that's really smart though <laughs> it's really smart as, though as someone I mean, who did tech and theater you would not have been moving those bookcases <laughs> yeah no well like 
I went to like thrift stores. They were like those old Reader's Digest ones that have like under the, oh, what's the slipcover thing called? I don't know what that's called. The sleeve. Oh, like the, like the paper book cover or the actual like cardboard bit? So like you've got a hard cover book mm-hmm. and then which has its binding, what's actually on the hard cover. And then it's got like this mm-hmm. paper sleeve that is always yeah. so annoying. So like I would just take the sleeve off and then use what was left because they were so pretty. Those Reader's Digest <laughs> compilation books, they're really pretty. But yeah, that well, they was... were till you hollowed them out and <laughs> used their skins for your show. Uh, you, you know, know what? <laughs> you can buy uh, purses made of those. Actually, seriously? <laughs> um, yeah, I work. So I work in a law library. And one of the jokes is, especially when I worked at a law school, how much you actually end up throwing away because a really famous uh-huh. thing, law books have this, and I'm sure a bunch of others do, of instead of a bound book, what they do is have the pages of the book in essentially a three ring binder. Oh, yes. Yes. I've They're seen that. Sizes and stuff. And that way, if you change two words, you don't have to reprint the entire book. You just send a new page. Yes. And so you swap out that page. Well, that means that you end up throwing away a ton and stuff that is reissued annually. Once right. the new one comes out, that old one is completely obsolete. You cannot use it as bad law. Yeah. So you end up, if you are like me and work in a law library that is only keeping current stuff, you throw away, well, you recycle, but it's so <laughs> You're still bad. Like, away. it is so much. It was an entire. You know those big recycling bins with like the flip top? Yeah, we yeah. We would fill mm. one of those like every oh other day. Oh my gosh. Wow. It was oh a lot. And actually there was someone who worked at, I don't remember which school she worked for. But she was like, this is so wasteful. I'm going to save the covers. And she made like purses and tote bags out <laughs> of them. Oh I remember my gosh. always, I remember looking at it and being like, man, if they were just like a little bit cheaper or I was a little bit further out of grad school <laughs> so that I could afford them i would totally get these for my friends as like a joke <laughs> but so yeah. funny you, you can have a lot of fun with with stuff but yeah i definitely it, it takes a little bit of the magic of like all oh, the books where i'm just like that eh, depends on the book <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you want to you want to rip out old readers Digest? yeah we're fine with that i, I mean actually... nobody they were at a thrift store they were like mm-hmm. less than a dollar i mean i'm pretty sure yep people were not gonna care i know yeah. uh used bookstores that sell by the foot to theater companies and stuff oh like wow. they don't even yeah. say how many books are in it. they're just like how many feet of books do you need any particular color like that is wow. so smart <laughs> Ah, I wish I'd known about that. But we were a small theater, so I didn't need like a ton. It was all good, but that's nice. <laughs> that's pretty fun. All right. Uh, well, we we should probably uh. I don't even jump think we get to minute. see any books this minute. <laughs> I mean, no. we know they're there, but <laughs> they're coming. They're yeah. coming. We might just cut this whole thing out and put it in the next minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the books aren't in this minute. Oh no. no. I forgot. <laughs> we end on a, like the most perfect cliffhanger. It's great. <laughs> da, da, da. They can all be on the okay. edge of their seat waiting. You know? <laughs> well, today we're talking about minute 50, which starts <laughs> yeah. with Belle watching an ottoman jump into a pile of snow and ends with the beast telling Belle to wait here. That dog is so cute. I mean, I'm not a dog person, but that dog is so cute. See, I am. I love the footstool dog. I know. Now, does it have a name? 
Do you guys know? No. I okay. don't think so. If, if you guys don't know, then I am perfectly comfortable assuming that he does not have one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he doesn't because I went and I tried to find, like, whoever voiced him. I could not find it. There were lots of not, um, what's the word? Not build like voice actors like it said they were a voice actor but it didn't say what it just said oh voice actor you know what i mean well and it's weird because you'd think disney would have the noise of a dog playing in the snow just like on file somewhere you think with the huge history except you're right it's a character it's not just like the wolves i can see that they would use um sound clips of real wolves for the wolf scene, but Mm -hmm. the Ottoman dog is a character and has to display emotion through its barks and yips and panting and whatever. So Mm. they would probably want really specific things. So they would, I would think they would hire a voice actor for that. Most um, cartoons and stuff hire somebody for that. Yeah. And that is my area of expertise. Yeah, just (laughs) because I can't make those noises with my voice does not mean there aren't people who can. (laughs) Right. And just because I can't make them with my voice doesn't mean I don't know. That that's what they do. So Disney Wiki says that the the footstool's name is Sultan. What? Yeah. Except in the new version, the 2017 Beauty and the Beast, his name is Fru Fru. So Sultan, I guess. I don't know where it comes from, but uh, that's what Disney Wiki says. Sultan sounds like a name someone would name their fancy dog. Yeah, I guess that's true. Except for when the dog changes back at the end, that dog does not look like a dog that would be named Sultan. Looks like the Little Mermaid dog. Kind of, yeah. Do you mean Max, who was kind of my favorite for many, many years? (laughs) Yes, Yes. Max. (laughs) Yeah, Max is not a sultan. (laughs) No, no, no. It really bugs me that he's making all these noises and fine magic, you know, whatever, but he doesn't have a mouth to make them out. I mean, that's that's really bugging me. The rest of everybody else talks, but they have mouths, you know. (sighs) They have faces and mouths, and he doesn't have anything. There's no way for him to actually make these noises that he's making. And uh, I know it doesn't have to make sense, but it bugs me. I love when something bothers you in an otherwise completely unrealistic movie, but for some reason, (laughs) it's the thing. That happens to me all the time with stuff. There there was something said in Boston where I was like, that's not how you would get from South Station to Fenway. And my husband was just like, really? That's what's bothering you? Really? In this whole movie... (laughs) And you're like, yes. Yes. I don't care yes. if it's a talking bear. <laughs> that highway doesn't go there. <laughs> right. I was just going to say, I, I love how the music builds underneath. Mm-hmm. And then the dog is all laughing and barking. And then she has this cute little laugh after it jumps into her arms. It's just the cutest yeah. moment ever. You mean after it throws her, itself at her? <laughs> That's yes. right. It's like, yeah. Of course somebody it does. threw it's an ottoman at you. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> it must hey, it probably happen. smells better than real wet dog. <laughs> That's true. Dogs are very stinky. Uh, just everyone's having a good time. This yeah, is a happy scene. Well, kind of. I mean, Beast is having these these very deep self realizations. I guess he yeah. seems almost shocked by the fact that he's like, "Wait, I've never felt this way about anybody before." And first off, he's never really had a chance to feel that way about anybody. He's basically been only surrounded by servants since he was a adolescent so when would he have ever felt you know love for anybody in a romantic way i like 
like his instincts though. As soon as he has that realization, he's like, I should do something nice for her. That's well, good I was instincts. thinking about, I love that he says, I've never felt this way about anyone. But then my thought was, okay, what is he actually feeling? Because he doesn't say, I love her or anything. So I was like, you know, it could be a variety of things that he's experiencing. Affection, respect, love, of course. Attraction, confusion, confusion mm -hmm. perplexion, like what? He could be experiencing a lot of different things, which I think is mm -hmm. probably yeah. pretty accurate. Yeah. I, I really so like, I think you started with like appreciation and respect, which he hasn't felt that way about anyone before, according to his backstory. <laughs> right. And I think that makes a lot more sense than the, oh, he's in love with her now thing. Right. Of more well, just like, this is a good person that I enjoy spending time with and should do something nice for. And that's one of the reasons why we love their specific love stories, because they do grow from enemies to acquaintances, to friends, to in love. And I think that... I love that they did this in kind of an ambiguous way because it m is really true to life. You know, we sometimes start experiencing feelings and we notice things about people and we're like, what? Why do I feel this? What am I experiencing? What am I feeling? And sometimes it's not always love right away. It's mm -hmm. other things that you realize, wow, this person is amazing for this reason and that reason and that reason. And those things are what help you to fall in love with somebody. And I think that's what makes Cogsworth's line so funny is that everyone <laughs> is wrapped up in this like, oh, they're slowly getting to know. And he just jumps straight into the stereotype. <laughs> and that's why... That's why that, I mean, like, that line would be funny anyway, but I do feel like it is a stronger joke because Cogsworth is just totally missing all the subtlety in the scene. Right. Well, I love, there's this one moment right after he's like, I've never felt this way. His brow kind of furrows and he is, like, concentrating really hard. And I feel like mm -hmm. it's him partially maybe trying to figure out what to do with what he's feeling. And then... He gets this like light bulb moment of, ah, I should do something nice for her. I'm going to do something for her. That's exactly what I should do. And then Cogsworth, of course, best ad lib ever. Oh. This was an ad lib, you guys. I can't even. That's because David Ogden Stiers is the best. He is the best. <laughs> I love him so much. I know, right? I was really oh worried. Gosh. I was like, I, I have to see Cogsworth, but I was like, it's Beauty and the Beast. I'll, I, I, I'm, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, my favorite TV show of all time is MASH. So I'm David Ogden Stiers was on that for many, many years. It's I Charles need to Manchester. watch that show so bad just because oh. he's on it. I always say it's the perfect TV show because no matter what mood you're in there is an episode that is perfect for that because the show varies so much so that is one thing i will caution you on but yeah there's um he's on in the later half of the show which got a little more like instead of being mean jokey to the person who doesn't fit in it's much more prankster-ish and then you do still get the serious episodes, but they're more tugging on the heartstrings than like critiquing military escalation. You know, like there, right, there's right. a definite change in the vibe of the show between the 70s and 80s. Interesting. But I think they both work. Like right. I know some people who only like one or the other. And I'm, I just think, well, no, they're, they're very different. And uh, someday when I host MASH Minute, eventually I will get to the show and talk about it. Oh my gosh, MASH um, Minute. That is so, a project right there. 
yep, yep, we're going to do the movie by minute and then do the show by episode. And so basically be podcasting for the rest of my life. But that's okay, because I love it. And he's really great in that. He plays a total snob, but he plays him well. You get to see over time that kind of why he is like he's still a snob even at the end but you understand why he is the way he is he does have sympathetic quality you know he's not a one-note character right right and a lot of that it sounds like is what david ogden styers brought to it like charles is super into classical music and so is the actor so he could pull on that and oh it just it just fits so well and I, I mean, growing up, I obviously did not know this was the same actor doing all these different voices. I had no idea. Whatever. Like, you don't think about these things when you're a kid watching a cartoon movie. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. the, And then when I found out this was his idea, like, he came up with this line, it was just like, oh, my God, it's so perfect, though. Well, can we talk about it? Like, the actual yes. line for a second? Because I just... Don't say it, Janae. Don't say it. Why? <laughs> just kidding. Oh. I'm like, why not? The audience everyone needs to hear it it's just so brilliant i love that he refer he says oh there's the usual things flowers chocolates promises you don't intend to keep it's just like so uh, promises you don't intend to keep like that's one of the usual things that you do when you're in love he this line understand. gets trotted out so often even though this movie is, I don't want to think about how old. <laughs> like, this yep. line is still instantly recognizable as being from this movie. And I feel like, obviously not everyone knows it, but... It, everyone should know it. Every mm-hmm. be, Most people know it. There we go. Most people know it. Yep. And then I love how Lumiere comes up instantly and is like, what? No, 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 no. <laughs> and... Uh, He's like, love doctor in the house. He's like, I got your back. And he's like, it has to be something special. Sparked her interest. And then he has the idea, which I never really thought before about the fact that the idea of giving her the library and the books was really Lumiere's idea, which Mm -hmm. I am totally okay with because sometimes you just need a little help. And just because... (laughs) He didn't think of it. Doesn't mean it was any less meaningful. Does it though? I have. I, I know people who would argue with that. Oh really? <laughs> See, I, oh. I yeah. I know the argument that like Lumiere's the one who understands Belle and understands what would make her happy. Whereas, isn't this? Oh God. Um, I can only think of the Steve Martin movie Roxanne, but I know it's based on an actual like Shakespeare play. Oh no. Oh, are well, you? I can't th- even think of it. Where you, like, oh, where he tells you, the hot guy what to say, and Cyrenac, she falls in love with Cyrano de Bergerac, or what? What's that on? Uh, I don't know what y'all are talking about. Uh, <laughs> okay, there's a movie called. Well, there's a play called Cyrano de Bergerac, where basically it's a guy with a big nose, and yes, yeah, it's not by Shakespeare, but it is okay. old, like Shakespeare. It's super good. It's one of my favorite plays that I read in college, and I just want to see it so bad. You're right. I would not have guessed how to pronounce that, so good job. <laughs> Thank you. He basically it has this big nose, and there's this guy who falls in love with this girl, and he's like, come on, Cyrano, go woo her for me. 
And she falls in love with the guy, but the guy she's really falling in love with is Cyrano because he's the one who has all the ideas and says everything, which is kind of the same story as, what is it, like John Alden and Priscilla Mullen from There Was a Wishbone episode. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, it's definitely one of those really old stories that has been remade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it, I'm sure it's happened a million times, probably. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those dog things, but that was the first thing that popped into my head. I was like, oh no, have I been misinterpreting this movie the entire time? Except so. for the thing is, I mean, the beast doesn't come up with the idea, but he is himself when he gives it to her. He is yeah. like, yeah. he is himself as they continue to get to know each other. So I don't think she's falling in love with Lumiere. She's falling <laughs> in love with the beast. <laughs> So, I mean, I give it a pass personally. (laughs) Well, and this is like a classic man problem. It's like, okay, I want to do something nice for her, but what? Right. And you're just like, I have no idea what to do. I don't know. And uh, thankfully, he had some helpers. uh, One more helpful than the other. Definitely. Well, I mean, who's to say Lumiere wasn't being selfish when he came up with the idea? Which I'm sure he was... trying to be helpful but i mean you could Mm -hmm. spin it that way because really the more he helps the beast the more he helps himself to break the spell so i mean i don't think he was necessarily being selfish but you could spin it that way too yeah so sidebar have y'all seen the studio c skit where they're (laughs) like giving advice to the the phantom of the opera (laughs) yes (laughs) There are like all these uh, the characters in a bar and the Phantom's in there and he's like, oh, you know, I love this girl, but I don't know how to show it. And <sighs> I forget the other characters that are in there. Do you remember, Janae? Have you seen it? I think they were just the regular guys. They were just themselves. Okay. But yeah, they were like, oh, you, you know, does she have issues with her dad? You should pretend to be your dad. <laughs> and, like you should, you should sing to her and call her these weird things. And uh, it's really funny. So if you and haven't seen like, it, go oh. check out Studio C. Well, it's funny because in the sketch, all of his ideas are normal good ideas. <laughs> and all the ideas they give him are like the crazy stuff that the fandom does. <laughs> Oh, 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 it's so funny. And then at the end of it, Beast walks in and they're like, Beast. Oh. Uh, so sad. Good stuff. No, he has a good idea and he acts on it and I'm super happy about it. So, yeah. And I love how excited he is. Like, you can tell that he's nervous because he's never done something like this before and he's really bad at it, but he's really excited. Oh. And like, he checks to make sure she's not peeking and he's like biting his bottom lip as he opens okay. the door. Oh, to let her it's in. So oh I noticed the lip too. I, I love it. I remembered the hand waving. I didn't remember the lip biting, which is adorable. No, even before that, um, well, my first thought when they switched to the scene of them in the hallway about to go in the library, which again, we know is the library, but they don't. Um, <laughs> Mystery room. I am so thrown off because we see the hallway and like the light is nice and the carpet's a bright red and there's a pretty painting on the wall. And there are two terrifying gargoyles in the middle of the hallway <laughs> that do not fit the rest of the scene at all. And we were just having fun playing in the snow. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> Parts of this castle are terrifying. 
So one of the, the things that we've been theorizing, I guess, is that the areas that Beast is in, like his, I guess, negative moods or his downward spiral have caused the curse to create more of these gargoyles, like in the places that he frequents. So when she's going down the hallway to his room, there are a ton of them. And in some other parts of the castle, there aren't very many. And like you said, there are two kind of right here, right outside the library. And we'll see, like when they go in the library, that there are some books on the table. I think that's... Oh, yeah, we see that in this minute. But there's some books open on the table as if someone's been reading. So I wonder if he has been trying to read. And we saw some books in his room as well. So yeah. maybe this is one of the places he goes and hangs out and tries to read. Does he, so say, the time. <laughs> does he say later on that he cannot read? No. Some versions of this story that has been a thing. Because in this movie, I never got the impression that he couldn't read. I know in the stage play musical version of Disney's Beauty and the Beast, he flat out says he can't read. But I mm -hmm. always thought in this one that he could read. So in the original version, they never really referenced it. Like the original screenplay? In the original release of Beauty and the Beast, the 91 oh. release. Okay. We are currently using the like super diamond platinum edition 25th anniversary <laughs> where they went back and added in some stuff uh -huh. and in oh. in the song during the human again song we see oh. her teaching him how to read and so we see mm. that he didn't know how to read oh we haven't got see, to that so part yet that's why i didn't I like remember the it. idea that he has been super bored and occasionally reading you know I know. Not, like, not a good reader. Like, maybe he has trouble focusing for long periods of time, but... ADD. <laughs> but he'll, like, pick up, read a couple pages, put it down, get back to it eventually. You're He's right, like, well, I've got nothing else better too. to do. I think I'll work on some Moby Dick. <laughs> 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 Which I'm working on right now. It's an awesome book, but it's so hard to get into. <laughs> oh, see, I would get really into it, and then there would just all of a sudden be like, I've been reading for five pages and have no idea what's going on. <laughs> no, 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 but yeah, anyway, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> anyway enough about my Yeah, I, yeah, because I had forgot. Yeah, there are books in his bedroom. So we're, I, I I'm totally on board read. with the Beast can read in this version. I like, I like to think of him as trying to read. Like he's so bored and frustrated <laughs> and he's trying to read, but he can't do it. So that makes him more frustrated. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at least we do see books of spin. And then I love, you said, like, he's so nervous. I, maybe only because I'm watching this a minute at a time and paying attention, I really like how well it fits with Belle's curiosity that he starts to open the door and then it's like, wait, you have to close, you know, before he makes her close her eyes. She leans forward as he's opening the door. It was just like this little thing that I was like, oh, oh of course Belle did that. <laughs> like, of course Belle Can... is super excited, like, what's behind the door? <laughs> Yeah. Um, That's awesome. I was wondering, what did he say to get her into the hallway? Because he mm -hmm. says right before he opens the door, I have something I want to show you. What did he say to get her to follow him there if he didn't already say that? Hmm. Does that make sense? Let's go on a walk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you been down this hallway yet? Hey, let's, 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 let's go down this hallway. I could buy that. I could buy that. Yeah, that would be that would be a logical yeah. jump. I mean, they have they've started to form a relationship. They she bandaged up his arm. They could be in the. We're starting yeah. to talk to each other. Yeah, I could buy that. Okay, that works for me. Moving on. I was literally just like, "What did he say to get her to get there?" <laughs> I love it, and I love how he like slowly starts to open the door and then like shuts it really quick. But then, as soon as her eyes are closed, he just 
pops those babies open in no time. Oh, he's so and he's excited. like, he's so excited. He's so cute. Oh, I'm like incapable of keeping a secret, which my husband finds very amusing whenever it's <laughs> gift, a gift giving time. Um, <laughs> he actually, and, and it's a family trait. And he says, watching my family try and like restrain themselves in the couple weeks leading up to Christmas is one of the most amusing things. Because <laughs> we're all just like, I can't tell you yet. <laughs> Uh, we are like uh, physically incapable of keeping a secret so we would not be able to pull this off but that's oh, I, I kind of it. relate to that when he's just like <gasps> he bites his lip he's just like yes let's do this <laughs> <laughs> I love that he isn't phased by her cynicism because for when he's like close your eyes she like gets this look on her face like mm, I don't think so buddy such a good look yeah. but then and I feel like not that much before in that relationship he would have taken that right about like he would not have just ro- rolled with that but he's just like calm and excited and he's like it's a surprise and <laughs> he's just like explaining it to her and she's like she trusts him right away though when he says that and just closes mm-hmm. her eyes right away and they have both come a long way in the last yeah. three minutes <laughs> all i can say yeah that's what i was just thinking like before the wolf attack if he had said hey close your eyes she yeah, probably would no have expected way. him to like bite her head off or something. Yeah. And then he holds her hand so gently. And can I just say his hands are humongous. Yeah, they are. But he just holds them so gently and leads her into the room. It's so cute. I can't even. <gasps> his hands are so big. He, he can't even hold her hands. He's just no. like, yeah. just like, she's resting. just placing her hands on top. Yeah. Oh, and then crazy. we get a, a glimpse into the library yeah. that we don't can't we, really tell it's a library yet. We do see books but, though, so we weren't yeah. we weren't totally wrong. We do see books in this minute. We just don't get the full <laughs> effect. <laughs> yeah, I mean this could be like a study versus a library, but there's definitely tables with books on them. There's a writing quill, so uh, and some portraits. It looks like there's some family portraits yeah. or something on the yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah. I mean some nice paintings. I would if you were watching this you would assume like oh it's the castle library but you have no idea how great it actually is yeah do castles actually like normally have libraries back in the day i would think so it depends on what sense. era you're talking about yeah if, if like 1700s i would think so probably not yeah. always that big i i mean because if I, you think yeah back i have to some like... thoughts on the size of this library tomorrow i don't know yeah. this is france <sighs> But, like, I mean, if you think about it, most most libraries in olden time, like, manors and castles and things were, like, offices with tons of books kind of library, you know? Yeah. So, my last note for this minute is we see these tables with books on them and there looks like there's, the like I said, the writing quill and some paper there that somebody was writing on. If we go with that beast can't read yet uh who's reading these books like is somebody else in the castle reading them or were they left before the curse and have just been sitting there for you know 10 years (laughs) that's why i think he can read (laughs) yeah well and i'm sure a lot of the servants some of the higher up servants could probably read yeah cogsworth and lumiere they're probably like hey let's go check out the library working together i'm bored (laughs) i kind of like the idea that he can't, maybe, maybe, you know, read a little, but has trouble. So he's trying to find the books that have pictures and he's looking at that. And then he uses the pill of papers and he's actually just doodling. Like, it's not writing, it's just drawing. <laughs> like, when he's like, scribbling when office. you're a kid. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like, look what I wrote for you, a letter. Oh, tell me what it says, because it's not real words, it's scribbles. Why don't you describe it to me? That's yeah, funny. Lily does that. She'll bring me a picture and she's like, look what I drew. I'm like, oh, what is it? Like, uh, it's a bird, Dad. Obviously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you should ask, oh, tell me about it. Good idea, Tierney. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so do y'all have anything else for this minute? I think uh, I'm good. No, I'm good. I All just right. Love it. Well, then that wraps up minute 50 with this tantalizing look into a room <laughs> that's probably a library, but hey, who knows? We'll find out next minute. <laughs> be very misleading of us if it wasn't. Okay, I think it's a little late for that. We have <laughs> way spoiled it. They all know. Oh my gosh. Uh. We all know I'm a spoiler. I have no qualms about this. Sorry. <laughs> you all know me by now. If you want to get on to Janae about spoiling all the surprises. I am not <laughs> even the one that spoiled it today, okay? <laughs> I was not the first one to say. Yeah, it was probably me. But you can well, get on to me if over. you want. I'll take it. <laughs> head over to our social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. I think that's it. Search for Beastly Minute and you will find us there. You can also find us on our website. That's Growler Media. And you can go there and send me an email if you'd like to get a hold of me. And Janae, if people want to talk to you, what's the best way to do that? Okay, yeah. If you would like to get a hold of me, as always, you can visit my website, JanaeHyatt.com, where you can listen to my voiceover portfolio. And you are welcome to contact me. There is a way to send me an email on my website. And then if you don't already know, I don't think I mentioned it earlier, but Tierney is part of the Growler Media family because she does Never Ending Minute, where they mm-hmm. do the same thing we're doing here, but with the Never Ending Story. And then she also does another podcast, which is the Return to Oz Minute, if I'm correct, right? Yep, yep. We're uh, picking apart. It's a Disney movie, but 1985 live action scary sequel to The Wizard of Oz. No singing and dancing. Okay, I need to watch that. I feel like I haven't seen that in forever. With TikTok? Yes, yes. Ah. TikTok and Jack Pumpkinhead and a flying sofa. It's a lot of fun. And I really love that has, because of the source material, a rich literary history. And the never-ending minute about the never-ending story is also very book-orientated. So I feel mm-hmm. like I'm carving out a little niche here with the podcasting. I love it. Um, <laughs> I love it. But yeah, it's really fun. Oh my gosh. We've had so much fun. It's uh, Firuza Balk's first movie. And it's also, I think, the only feature film. He has one other directing credit, but I think the only film directed by Walter Murch, who's a really famous sound editor. Um, which, so it, which movie are we talking about? Uh, Return to Oz oh, okay. is directed by Walter Murch, who did okay. sound editing for like Star Wars and a million other things. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's a really, it's kind of a fascinating little film that not many people know about. But just because the fact that it was marketed as like, oh, it's a sequel to Wizard of Oz, show the kids. And it's like, mm. no, I mean, no, kids, no. yes, but not quite as young. <laughs> No, 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 no. So no. there was a little bit of mismanagement uh, there. <laughs> I've never seen this movie, and it does not look like it's for children all the t- all the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From the Google pictures. Um, it's it's entertaining. Yeah, I have two 80s fantasy 
air quotes kids movies that I that I analyze. <laughs> They're really fun. You can find Never Ending Minute through Growler Media. Return to Oz Minute, we're on our own. We have the website returntoozminute.com. Um, but if you find me on Twitter at one steel sister, O-N-E-S-T-E-E-L-E-S-I-S-T-E-R, I have links to both the Twitter feeds for those shows in my profile. So it's a really oh, cool. easy, like, cheat sheet way to it. And also, I retweet a lot of library stuff sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, amidst a lot of other things. But like I said, I have a lot of friends that are archivists and librarians. And so when funny things go around, you kind of can't resist sharing them. <laughs> <laughs> so if you love libraries or 80s movies, <laughs> be sure to check out Tyranny at One Steel Sister. <laughs> ah, the smell of a good library. <sighs> mm-hmm. Mm. I was just in Barnes and Noble the other day. Not a library, but still. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that wraps us up. Thank you to everybody that has been over to iTunes to leave us reviews over there. We have another one from Rick D3487, who said, this is a fun and interesting look at one of Disney's greatest animated movies. So... Thanks, Rick. Thank you. For that Yay. They definitely help us to uh, get reviews that lets iTunes know that you like us and that other people would probably like us too. So if you have a minute, head over there and leave us a review. And until next time, there's something I want to show you. But first, you have to close your eyes. It's a surprise. That was kind of creepy. <laughs> oh, my. Something is really different on a growler. I'm keeping your bones.